Hello, car fanatics in Irvine, Orange County, California, the United States, and around the world. It's time for the most famous words in motorsport. Drivers, start your engines! This week on Speedway Sounds, it's that time of year once again, championship season. There's only one more race before the field of 16 drivers is set for the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series playoffs. 13 drivers are locked in, but who could shake up the final three this weekend in Richmond? I'll talk about the Xfinity and Truck Series playoffs as well after a full weekend at Darlington and the Canadian Tire Motorsports Park in Canada. But first up, the hashtag and Racing update on Matt McMurray's weekend at the Circuit Paul Ricard in the European Le Mans Series and Samantha Tan's weekend at the Circuit of the Americas in the Pirelli World Challenge Touring Car Championship. All that and more this week on Speedway Sounds. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the September 5th edition of Speedway Sounds on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm your host, Noah Stein. Last week, I didn't produce a show because I had just returned from the Hoodoo 500 Ultra Marathon Cycling Race in Utah. What a crazy, crazy weekend that was. Two weeks ago, cyclist Kevin Bilby was on the show giving us a preview of the weekend. So if you missed that very interesting and knowledge-filled interview with him and want to catch up, that podcast is on my Twitter and Facebook pages, at Speedway Sounds. On the Tuesday night after that show, I spent some time helping Kevin with wiring the safety lights onto the crew car, the Toyota RAV4. There's a short video of that as well on Twitter. On Friday, Kevin, his cycling club cohort Adam, and I packed the bike and all the supplies in the car and drove north on the Interstate 15 to the Best Western Abbey Inn in St. George, Utah, which is where the race starts and finishes. That night, Kevin set up his bike and Adam and I set up the car for the two-day, 521-mile journey ahead. The third crew member, Gary, drove up that night from Arizona. We also went to the store to buy food and supplies. Saturday was the official start of the race for most of the rider categories. The day before, the 500-mile stage rider, riders departed because they were going to split their 500 miles over the course of three days. At 5 a.m. Saturday morning, the Voyager and Nomad categories departed. These riders were trying to complete the entire 521-mile distance for Voyagers and 300 miles for the shorter distance for Nomads on their own without crew support. This meant that they were packing all the food that they would need on the trip, and they couldn't receive support from anybody else. They were allowed 50 hours to complete the race instead of 48. At 7 a.m., the 500-mile and 300-mile crew-supported riders departed, including our own Kevin Bilby. At 9 a.m., the relay racers departed. These were teams of two to four riders. Gary, Adam, and I departed at around 7.30 in the crew car because we weren't allowed to help Kevin until a certain milepost, about 15 miles into the race. The start of the race was really challenging for us crew members because none of us on this team had ever done anything like this before, so we quickly had to adjust to the roles that we were best suited for. Adam did the daytime driving and Gary waited until night fell to drive. Meanwhile, I was in the passenger seat managing navigation and social media. Adam and Gary also prepared most of Kevin's food and drink when we decided to stop on the side of the road. The first hour was one of the hardest because I was just getting used to the official route and how to relate that to Google Maps, having two devices in my lap at the same time, essentially. At the same time, 
Kevin had difficulty navigating through a small town in order to get to the first long highway. So he missed a turn as well in the town of Hurricane, Utah, adding mileage to his route. I was also trying to give updates from the live timing screen so that we could accurately place where he was. The timing, however, did not show that he had left the route, so we weren't sure where he was for a few minutes. Before too long, though, Kevin rode over the first big hill, and we gave him his first bottle of a drink called Spiz. Spiz is a meal replacement powder mixed with water that allows him to keep up with what his body was consuming, a rate of 300 calories per hour. At that point, we started our leapfrog support, where Adam would drive about 5 to 10 minutes ahead of Kevin so that Kevin would ride past us about every 30 minutes or so. As the race went on, we would have to predict each time where he would be depending on the terrain. If it was hilly, we had to go less than 10 minutes ahead. If it was flat, we would go 10, maybe 15 minutes ahead because he'd be riding along at 15 to 20 miles an hour down a hill or on the flat terrain. By about three hours in the race, Gary, Adam, and I became a well-oiled machine. This continued throughout the entire Saturday when Kevin completed the first 200 miles of the race. At nightfall, we had to go into direct follow mode in which we followed Kevin within, uh, within about 15 feet through very difficult terrain. That's when we started rotating our jobs so that we could get some sleep. I slept at about 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. At about 1 a.m., 14 hours into the race, we all stopped and Kevin got about half hour's sleep in a makeshift bed in the back of the car. At that time, we were at the top of a mountain, and with no light pollution and clear skies, it was truly a starry night. By sunrise, we reached the northernmost point on the course after mile 300. Up to that point, we traveled through the towns of Colorado City, Arizona, Fredonia, Arizona, Canaan, Utah, Mount Carmel Junction, Glendale, Bryce, Cannonville, Escalante, Boulder, Bicknell, and Kusharim. And, and we had climbed about 5,000 feet in elevation. With a second and final half hour nap at sunrise, Kevin began the second day of riding, one that would be remarkably different than the first. On Saturday, we kept leapfrogging several other riders and crews, but by, after, by about 2 a.m. Sunday morning, so many riders had either retired or had made such a gap to us that we did not see a single team or rider the entire Sunday. We were on our own. I only was able to check on their progress on the timing screens. The second day was all about keeping Kevin healthy and motivated, especially as he went up the largest climb on the entire route at mile 414 at the Cedar Breaks National Monument. In order to stay in the race on that hot day, Kevin had to abandon his initial time goal of 36 hours and focus instead on simply finishing the Hoodoo 500. As Sunday night fell, Adam, Gary, and I finished our crew support with about 45 minutes left in the race by rule, so Kevin was on his own through a, a place called Snow Canyon, heading towards the finish line in St. George. However, at night, it was next to impossible for him to see the street signs while riding his bike in the glare of the streetlights, and with very little sleep and almost to the point of exhaustion, it was very difficult for him to focus on where he was going. So Gary got special permission from the race director to go find him and show him the way home in the last three or four miles of the race. Without much further delay, Kevin Bilby finished the Hoodoo 500 and won his men's 50-plus age division in the solo 500 category with a time of 40 hours, 39 minutes. Kevin did an amazing job, becoming the second of only three solo 500 riders to finish this year out of the six who started, 
Congratulations to the winner of the Hoodoo 500 solo overall as well, Michael Conti, who finished in 34 hours and 52 minutes, as well as third place, Dan DeStefano, who finished in 45 hours, 11 minutes. Only one person finished the race in the self-supported Voyager category, Matthew Frederick, with a time of 45 hours and 17 minutes. I really would like to thank Kevin for inviting me to join him on his crew for this challenge of a lifetime. Thanks to Adam and Gary as well for working with me. It was great personal experience to get together and get straight to work as soon as I met them for the first time. And even though it was cycling and not car racing, I still got that same spirit of endurance that I feel from the biggest endurance races around the world, like Le Mans, Daytona, the 24-hour races there. It's been a great two weeks for our two race car drivers here at the University of California, Irvine. Let's do this week's hashtag Anders and Racing update. Zot, zot, zot. It's time for the hashtag Anders and Racing update. UCI Aerospace Engineering student Matt McMurray his teammates Andre Roda and Andrea Pizzatola competed in the European Le Mans Series four hours of Le Castellet two weekends ago with Algarve Pro Racing. First, thanks to Tristan Cortez for live-tweeting the race as part of our hashtag Racing weekend coverage while I was in Utah. The team qualified its Ligier LMP2 car midfield in eighth and showed good speed throughout the weekend leading up to the race. The big goal for them, of course, was simply to finish after suffering from three straight DNFs and scoring no points whatsoever in the first half of the championship as a result. Before the race, Matt McMurray tweeted a photo of his driver notes for each section of the circuit Paul Ricard, giving feedback to his teammates and engineers. You can check that out on the Speedway Sounds Twitter and, of course, his own social media on Facebook and Twitter at McMurrayMatt. The team had a consistent race, but simply did not have the pace needed to challenge for victory, and they were two laps down after three hours, still running in eighth position. But the day was still a victory, as they made it to the checkered flag to claim their very first points of the season, a total of four points for eight. I'll read an excerpt of what Jeff Carter wrote for the full race report for EuropeanLamontSeries.com. ELMS, LMGTE, and GTC champions SMP Racing scored their debut ELMS LMP2 victory in the four hours of Le Castellet, with Mateus Isakian and Igor Rutsev also celebrating the first win for the Dallara P217 Gibson. This was the first win for anyone other than Orica this season. That's my interlude on that. John Falb and Sean Rahel took their second win of the 2017 in the LMP3 category, in the number two United, United Autosports Ligier Nissan. The LMGTE category was won for the second race in a row by the number 55 Spirit of Race Ferrari with Matt Griffin, Duncan Cameron, and Aaron Scott taking maximum points at Le Castellet. And that's the end of that report. Algarve Pro Racing is still 13th and last in the LMP2 points, but they still have a great chance to improve that in the final two races. They're only two and a half points behind IDEX Sport Racing and four points behind Racing Team Netherland. G-Drive Racing currently leads the LMP2 standings with 80 points over United Autosports 68. In LMP3, United Autosports leads by 12 over M Racing YMR 
And an LMGTE TF Sport leads over JMW Motorsport by 9 points. The last two races of the European Le Mans Series season are the four hours of Spa-Francorchamps in Belgium on September 24th and the four hours of Portimao, Portugal, which is Algarve Pro Racing's home race on October 22nd. In the Pirelli World Challenge Touring Car Championship, UC Irvine economics student Samantha Tan had a very successful weekend at the Circuit of the Americas. She qualified 18th in her ST Racing BMW on Friday, but charged forward to as high as 13th on Saturday, ultimately finishing 14th for her best finish of the season in a points round. On Sunday, she started 13th and equaled her Saturday result in 14th. She added 14 points to her Drivers' Championship total, but official point standings were not released by the, by the Pirelli World Challenge by production time today. On her Facebook page, Samantha wrote, had some awesome and clean battles with many of my competitors this weekend and brought home two of my best finishes of the season. I'm still learning, but I'm very happy with my improvement. Also, congratulations to my teammate Nick Whitmer for winning the race yesterday. Join us at the next race at Laguna Seca, October 7th through 9th. Her teammate Nick Whitmer had an awesome weekend as well, finishing second on Saturday and winning on Sunday. You'll definitely want to see his race when it airs on the CBS Sports Network next Wednesday, September 13th at 4 p.m. Pacific. But if you can't wait that long, you can read my live tweets and Facebook updates as well on those pages from Friday and Saturday, from Saturday and Sunday. Samantha's last two races of the Pirelli World Challenge Touring Car Championship take place October 7th through 9th at the Mazda Raceway Laguna Seca up north in Monterey, California. The other categories in the Pirelli World Challenge are also competing on September 15th, I believe, at the Sonoma Raceway as part of the IndyCar Finale Weekend. That's it for this week's hashtag Anteaters and Racing updates of UC Irvine students and race car drivers Matt McMurray and Samantha Tan. Follow the next live coverage of Matt's race on September 24th on the European Le Mans Series live stream and the show's Facebook and Twitter. Real quick, I want to congratulate the Auto Club Speedway on their successful Lefties Track Day two weeks ago. I had David Talley on last time. He was the Director of Communications for Auto Club Speedway, and he talked about how much Auto Club Speedway is doing for the community. Here's the press release from the track. From family sedans to classic cars to sports cars, more than 400 vehicles and over $4,400 was raised at Lefty's Track Day at Auto Club Speedway on August 24th. The annual charity event invites the public to experience the thrill of driving their personal vehicles around the famous two-mile NASCAR oval to support local elementary schools. We had an incredible turnout and are grateful to the community for supporting literacy programs at our local schools, said Dave Allen, president of Auto Club Speedway. All proceeds from the Lefty's Track Day benefit the Auto Club Speedway Foundation, which supports Lefty's Reading Challenge a program that encourages reading excellence from Southern California elementary school children and provides grants to school libraries. Auto Club Speedway partnered with the San Bernardino County School District and its Vision to Read program to host a competition to see which school district had the highest attendance rate at Lefty's Track Day. The Etiwanda School District won and their superintendent will participate in the pre-race ceremonies at the 2018 NASCAR Xfinity Series race on March 17, 2018. In addition, fans donated more than 200 children's books to the Inland Empire United Way's School Tools Program for local classrooms. Car clubs throughout Southern California, including DeLoreans, Mini Coopers, and Corvettes, took parade laps around the track and were on display in a special show-and-shine area 
for the public to view. Guests also enjoyed the eat em up food truck and sipped cool refreshments from Lemonade Express. Auto Club Speedway had its NASCAR show car, 1948 Woody Hot Rod, and 1927 T-Bucket Roadster on display, including an interactive pit stop experience. Young race fans also interacted and took photos with Lefty, the official mascot of the Speedway's Kids Club. For more information on Lefty's Track Day or Lefty's Reading Challenge, you can visit www.leftyskidsclub.com. Now to news from the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. This past weekend in Darlington was the always fun and classy NASCAR throwback weekend at the Southern 500. The race saw throwback paint schemes from across the generations. Brad Keselowski ran a Miller High Life scheme from Rusty Wallace's years at Penske, and Chase Elliott ran a blue car replicating the one that his dad Bill Elliott ran in his very first race. Dale Jr. ran one from his championship winning years in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, and two Richard Childress racing cars, the number 3 of Austin Dillon and the number 31 of Ryan Newman, ran the old blue and yellow Wrangler-style colors that Dale Sr. used to drive early on in his career. Ryan Blaney even grew a throwback mustache for the occasion. The winner of Best in Show, though, was Danica Patrick's number 10 Ford with Stuart Haas Racing. She ran a scheme dedicated to Dale Jarrett and Robert Yates, Jarrett's car owner, when they won the 1999 Cup Championship and two Southern 500s. The award was voted on by the NASCAR Hall of Fame members in attendance. Richard Petty, the king of NASCAR, drove one of his classic number 43s at the head of the field on the pace laps. In one of the top comedy moments of the year, Richard Petty stayed out on the track longer than he was supposed to as part of his official duties. This confused NASCAR and forced them to add another pace lap and tell him the old-fashioned way to exit the racetrack, using the black flag. This gives him yet another accolade on top of the seven championships and 200 wins. He is the only driver not entered into a one NASCAR race to ever receive the black flag in that NASCAR race, at least in recent memory. In the first stage of the 500 miles, Kyle Larson dominated, only to lose it on a last corner pass by Martin Truex Jr. in arguably the closest stage finish at a non-restrictor plate track. Truex dominated the second stage and claimed 10 additional regular season points and one playoff point. This secured him the 2017 regular season championship and a crucial 15 bonus playoff points. Clearly, NASCAR did something right this year and changed the point system, properly rewarding undoubtedly the best driver of the year so far. These playoff points will help him pass through the first rounds of the playoffs, barring a catastrophe like two DNFs or something. In the final stage, though, Denny Hamlin took the lead and held it through a long green flag run before the final pit stop. When he drove down the track towards the pit lane, though, he barely missed the pit lane entrance by only putting two tires over the orange commitment box. This means he was not officially committed to pit road, and he had to drive another lap or incur a drive-through penalty. He lost at least 10 seconds with this mistake, and initially it looked like this would lose him the Southern 500 to Martin Truex Jr., However, Truex decided on a different strategy. He stayed on the track, hoping the time advantage would be enough to overcome severely deteriorating tires and Denny Hamlin's advantage with fresh tires. He pushed the tires longer than any other driver had the entire night, and with two laps to go, Denny Hamlin was only a few car lengths in back. Truex pushed the car too hard at the finish and hit the wall with three laps to go. Denny Hamlin passed him and took the checkered flag to claim his second win of the Cup Series season, and the second Southern 500 of his career. This win also earns him five more playoff points. 
There's only one race left to qualify for the playoffs this Saturday night in Richmond. Out of 16 spots, there are only three spots left for drivers without a win. After Darlington, they are currently occupied by Chase Elliott, Matt Kenseth, and Jamie McMurray. Just outside is Clint Boyer, who is 91 points behind after blowing an engine early in the Southern 500 and receiving only one point for his efforts. This means that only this means that the only way he or anyone else can get into the playoffs is by winning the final regular season race. Eric Jones is also a contender to win at Richmond with a strong second place finish at the last short track race in Bristol. The woes continue for Joey Logano, and now his only chance to win and get into the playoffs is at Richmond, the same track he won at in the spring, but in that race his car failed post-race inspection, so the win was encumbered, meaning it doesn't count for the playoffs. It is also Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s last chance to make the playoffs in his final season as a full-time cup driver. My prediction is that one of the 13 drivers already in the playoffs will win this weekend. Since the new elimination format was introduced in 2014, no driver has qualified for the playoffs by winning the final race, and I simply don't think it will happen this year. But if it does happen, and it's one of the drivers on the outside looking in, then there's a true points battle between those three, Elliott, Kenseth, and McMurray, for the two remaining spots, because they are only separated by three points, which translates to three positions on the racetrack. Denny Hamlin also swept the weekend by winning Saturday's NASCAR Xfinity Series 200-mile race. He also performed the race sponsor win because he won the Sports Clip-sponsored race in the Sports Clip-sponsored car. He pulled off a smart last-lap move from the lead in order to defend Joey Logano's dive bomb into the final corner. Denny slowed his entry into the corner, letting Logano pass on the inside and slide up towards the wall. Hamlin then did the over-under, moving to the inside of Logano to take the lead back as they crossed the finish line. In the Xfinity Series Championship, there are still two more races until the playoffs begin, Richmond and Chicagoland. So far, only four drivers have secured their spots into the 12-driver field. William Byron for Junior Motorsports, Justin Allgaier also for Junior Motorsports, Ryan Reed for Roush Fenway Racing, and, by pulling off a surprise win at Road America two weekends ago, underdog Jeremy Clements earned a spot for his own team, Jeremy Clements Racing. After Darlington, Elliot Sadler, Brennan Poole, Daniel Hemrick, Cole Custer, Matt Tift, Blake Cook, Michael Annette, and Brendan Gaughan are currently in on points. Gaughan only has a 20-point lead over Dakota Armstrong after Armstrong crashed out of the race. Annette and Cook are still very vulnerable to elimination at the moment as well. With cup drivers competing in the next two races, it is unlikely that a new Xfinity winner will emerge. In the Camping World Truck Series, Austin Sindrick pulled off his first career win at the Canadian Tire Motorsport Park with the controversial bump-and-run move on leader Kaz Gralla on the final lap. Sindrick argued that his move was justified because he was doing everything he could to make the playoffs, and Gralla already was locked in with a win. This means that six of the eight playoff spots are now set. Those drivers are Christopher Bell, John Hunter Nemechek, Johnny Sauter, Matt Crafton, Sindrick, and Gralla. Chase Briscoe and Ben Rhodes are currently in on points. With one race left and a 68-point lead, Briscoe's spot is almost certain, but Ben Rhodes only has seven points over Ryan Truex. The final truck race before the playoffs will take place at the Chicagoland Speedway in two weeks. Now it's time for this week's SoCal Car Calendar bringing you all the car events happening this upcoming weekend. On this Saturday, September 9th, in Buena Park, the second annual Vet to Vet Car Show. 
from 12 p.m. to 4. In Carlsbad, see bad cars from 7 a.m. to 9. In Corona, Cars and Coffee Corona from 7 a.m. to 9. In El Segundo, Corvair Cruisin at the Automobile Driving Museum from 10 a.m. to 3. In Fontana, the Rotolo Chevrolet Cruise Night in 5 p- from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. At DK's Donuts in Garden Grove, there will be a meet from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Classic Car Night in Highland Park at uh, from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. on Saturday. Donut Derelicts in Huntington Beach from 6 a.m. to 9. In La Cañada, Early Rodders at the United Artists Theater from 6.30 a.m. to 8.30. In La Habra, the 8th Annual Highlander Car Show from 9 a.m. to 2. In Long Beach, the Mercedes-Benz Exclusive, exclusive spelled in German, from 10 a.m. to 2. In Monrovia, the 27th Annual Monrovia Car Show will take place at the downtown historic Monrovia from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. In Paramount, the 4th Annual Heinz Hot Rod and Harley Show from 8 a.m. to 2. In Pasadena, the Friendship Classic Car Show from from 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. In Playa del Rey, the 18th Westchester Elks Car Show and Chili Cook-Off from 10 a.m. to 4. South Orange County Cars and Coffee in San Clemente from 7 a.m. to 9. In Santa Ana, the PFS Open House and Charity Event from 3 p.m. to 7. In Valencia, Coffee and Cars from 6.30 a.m. to 8.30. The 5th Annual Momentum Charity Car Show will take place in Ventura from 9 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. In Yorba Linda, CPX Wheels Hot Rod Saturdays from 9 a.m. to noon. And on Sunday, September 10th, in Gardena, Classic Cruisers Association at the Farmer Boys from 1 p.m. to 5. In Lakewood, the Hot Cakes and Hot Rods at Glory Day Sports Grill from 8 a.m. to 11. In Long Beach, High Performance Swap Meet and Car Show, 6 a.m. to 1. In Long Beach also, the 28th Annual Belmont Shore Car Show from 8 a.m. to 3. In Malibu, the Malibu Cars and Coffee from 7 a.m. to 9. In Newport Beach, the Balboa Car Show at the Fun Zone from 7 a.m. to 9. The Classic Cars and Coffee at Western Bagel in Northridge at 6 a.m. And last but not least, in Oceanside, I'm sorry, there are a few more. In Oceanside, Hot Rod and Classic Car Cruise Night in and out from 4 p.m. to 7. In Oxnard, the first annual Oxnard Masonic Car Show from 10 a.m. to 5. In Rancho Santa Margarita, Football and Friends Car Show from 8 a.m. to 3. And now, last but not least, in Seal Beach, Hot Rods at the Beach at Glory Day Seaside Grill from 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. And that's it for this week's SoCal Car Calendar. For more information, including flyers, times, addresses, and other information, you can go to SoCalCarCulture.com. That's it for this week on Speedway Sounds. Follow the show at Speedway Sounds, all one word, on both Facebook and Twitter for show previews and your opportunity to ask my guests a question. Speaking of which, next week on the show, IndyCar and IMSA race control official and motorsport artist Jim Swintall will join me next week to discuss the IndyCar championship race in Sonoma and so many great stories from his 30-plus years in motorsport. I hope you'll ask a ton of questions about open wheel racing. Also, you're welcome to use the hashtag AnteatersInRacing whenever we're talking about motorsport here on the UC Irvine campus. Coming up next to begin the evening's music programming, The Color Spectrum with Jericho here on KUCI. I'm Noah Stein, and thank you so much for listening. Always wear a helmet and never ever drive distracted or under the influence. And please, always wear your seatbelt. You're listening to Speedway Sounds with Noah Stein on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine.